are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100 subscriber supported please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well I said it for the night sitter. I was like, the title's kind of boring, but I do love a, a campy horror movie when it's done right. And the night sitter is less a campy horror movie. It's more like a, hey, remember the 80s? We think those movies are great. And we're going to try to do that with the least amount of effort possible. Lots of, yeah, fun <laughs> green and red lighting. And of course, a fog machine in every room. Huh? Uh, it had a, I, I can say the closest it got to the 80s was that opening title, which is like, you know, rotoscoped on there with hand drawing, it looked like, the green orbs. And then all of a sudden, like, an 80s synth soundtrack comes in, which might be the most consistent good thing in this movie is a synth soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say it wasn't bad, but I also don't remember it. I could guess, like, that's that's just a guess. I have no idea if it's accurate, but I remember I it didn't put into more annoy effort me. than some people in this movie. But uh, before we get too far in there, I am, of course, Ben, and with me is... Bradley Martin. And yeah, we're reviewing Night Sitter here for uh, this round of Screener Squad, and um, yeah, horror movies are... Such a crapshoot when it comes to picking these for Screener Squad, isn't it? Well, I've I've had much, much worse. Yeah, I think we all have. <laughs> We've even had worse Christmas movies, which I guess this one is? It, kind of? Yeah, you know, it's like that, that age-old discussion, you know? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I don't know. It's the Christmas tree in Takanomi Plaza. Nakatomi, I'm sorry. Nakatomi Plaza. I'm going to get... Takanomi is actually the one made from Asylum. Ah, okay. There you go. <laughs> this movie, uh, the main plot is that a con artist uh, played by Elise Dufour, whom most people, I guess, would know from um, uh, The Walking Dead, which I'm not watching anymore, and most people probably are not either. Uh, basically, she's posing as a babysitter to steal from a wealthy occult enthusiast uh, who... Basically, it doesn't really matter to this movie, but his name's Ted, played by Joe Walls. Uh, he has his kid there, uh, Kevin, played by Jack Champion. And then there's another kid who's a little, you know, the shitty little kid that you put into every movie, uh, played by Ben Barlow named Vincent, who's the, the kid of the, the, the woman that Ted is trying to date. Uh, evidently, the mom died a while ago. And evidently some of the occult stuff is actually real and it causes these witches, the three mothers, to show up. It takes most of the movie for that to happen. It has a lot of good leeway to it. Don't get me wrong. It it does. It's not like it ignores that as a segment of the movie. But yeah, it, it really dawdles to get to anywhere unless, unless you're feeling different, Bradley. Yeah, I agree with you. There's these awkward moments where, you know, the night sitter or... In my day, we just called them babysitters, maybe. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that one's probably been taken a lot. So copyright will be copyright. Um, Elise DeFore has to literally kind of slouch around the house, you know, not planning anything, not giving much exposition, which is fine. That's usually a good thing. And then the doorbell will ring. She'll answer the door, and it'll be a guy 
just standing there like, hi, I'm random creep from across the street. Can we have some dialogue to pad this runtime? And she'll be like, oh, gosh, <laughs> fine. What do you want to talk about? And the creep will be like, you're pretty. And she'll be like, ugh. And... <laughs> You know, for the most part, I thought that was pretty funny. After the third time, okay. though, I kind of felt like, wow, she has to deal with a lot of nonsense, and I'm not sure that's going to pay off. Also, I want to correct myself. Uh, evidently, it was uh, Bailey Campbell's Ronnie. Vincent was another character. That shows how much this movie stuck with me. <laughs> I watched it last night. Oh, uh, Vincent, I think, was one of the creeps who turned out to be some kind of occult fanatic as yeah. well. Who turns Vincent was the yeah. occult guy from across the street. There's there's so much just fluff in this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. she's kind of a drifter, but she has kind of a boyfriend who you're like, this character seems like she would never hang out with this guy or give him the time of day ever because he's the most milk toast, like, literally <laughs> popped collar wearing a puffy vest dude you've ever fucking seen. Uh, then she has Rod, played by Jermaine Rivers, who's her criminal buddy that they're planning this heist. Uh, sure. And his girlfriend, Lindsay, shows up, played by Ander, Amber Newcomb. And it's just like, who are all these fucking people? None of them really matter to the plot. The worst, really, is the milk toast boyfriend. Because it's just like, he's like, well, we've been dating for two months. It's like, dude, you don't seem like you give this guy more than two hours of your time. Even if it was just for, like, a quick hookup. And then you're doing this for two months? You're fucking kidding me. No, I agree completely. What could they have possibly been doing for two months when she can't even stand to look at him? I mean, I've heard of, you know, oh, poor buddy, get the hint. But this guy, if it's if it was later revealed in the film that he was blind and also couldn't smell, then I believe <laughs> it. Because she gives him the most disdainful looks. She doesn't even speak in code or out of context with him. She literally says things like, I, I don't like you, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then it's like... And then, like, she turns and uses him because she's like, well, I can't get him to go away. And yeah. you're still obsessed with me. It's like, none of this makes any fucking sense. Uh, that's the other thing is the, the acting is just mediocre at best. Uh, I think at least Dufour probably is one of the strongest performances. Yeah. But uh, that's not saying much when she has no one else to play off of. You don't think they were all trying for that, like, B-movie... Uh, what were those old films called back to back? Grindhousey. It's not really violent enough I, for a grindhouse, mind you. No, but it, yeah, schlocky I think, effect. I think uh, the guy playing Rod was just not really a character with any depth to do mm -hmm. anything. Lindsay kind of gets something to do. You know, the girlfriend of Rod. Uh, you know, spoiler alert: she's the one that's supposed that becomes the avatar for the enemy for the bad guys, and that's pretty okay. The kids are fine. Ronnie's what you expect for a shitty kid. Kevin is, you know, he's a kid who, you know, basically has some motivations. And I guess some of the best scenes with Amber, because that's the only time she actually behaves like a normal human being. Right. But I don't <laughs> fucking know. Yeah. Uh, weirdest one is the dad, Ted Hooper. Uh, that guy just from the beginning, it's just like you're a weird character. And like at the end of the movie, like. I, I don't feel that bad. Maybe getting touching on a slight spoiler. He's like, oh, yeah, nothing bad is going to happen to my kid. It's like, really? Because you seem fully aware that your kid was having nightmares of these witches hunting him. And you're like, oh, I'm so excited for this. And then later in the movie, you're like, no, my kid's perfectly safe in my house. What are you talking about? There's no way he'd be in danger from this. It's like, no, and he's a very awkward character. It opens up with him trying to promote his show. 
uh, an occult specialist show, and he talks like, whoa, what's in the occult? I know what is, and we're going to experiment with it and find out. But you got to stay tuned for all the spooky ongoings. And then his commercial ends, and then he turns to his kid and is like, hey, now, there's a sitter coming. Gonna watch ya. And it's <laughs> odd, like, whoa, that, that wasn't a TV persona you were just doing? This is just how you talk all the time? That's a little strange, don't you think? Yeah, you, you're almost like, is he trying to bang this babysitter, too? <laughs> or like, because, like, he's like, hey, it's great to see you. Hey, I, I know you have no references. I'm perfectly okay with you watching my child in my house full of expensive things. This is great. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I leave on my reel? Look how, look how great I am in that reel. Oh, I'm so wealthy. Hey, would you like alcohol? I know you like alcohol because you're, you're an 18-year-old. And all 18-year-olds like alcohol. It's like, is, is he going to, like... Try to fuck her? Like, what's yeah, going on? He, He's like, no, no, I got a date with a woman that's replacing his mom. Right. He was the f- just the worst parts of Hollywood in that moment <laughs> all strung together. And it, it didn't make sense. I thought, is is she a talent agent? That's what I was thinking. Is the night sitter a talent agent that's looking for a guy like this? And he's trying to sell himself to her? No, it was just a very creepy, awkward situation. And it doesn't really lead to anything. It's just how the dad character is, I guess. Yeah, it. I mean, it's good that he's not in a lot of the movie, but even when true, he shows true. up again, it's like, oh, we're supposed to like rely on this guy or trust in him again. And it's like, no, no, I really don't give a shit. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, when he gets it, when whatever happens to him, I'm also like, it doesn't even make sense that they would focus that much on him in that situation. But whatever. Now, what'd you think of the violence? Because that's a big sell for a lot of these uh, schlocky movies. You know, when it actually gets to that, it's not bad. I agree. <laughs> it's, what was it like? Is at least 60% of the way into the movie before you get to any real witches and magic and violence. But when you get there, it's it's really good, at least B-grade, you know, practical effects. But like, it... They do a good job with the makeup. It's not super over the top with the blood. It's just enough that they get their point across without it feeling campy. I mean, it's, it's part of the highlight of this film, actually. No, and I agree with that. I was kind of taken by surprise by the violence because for the first two acts, they're going over what kind of mysterious and honestly crazy powers these witches have. But then the way the witches dispatch of uh, the red shirts, I'll just call them, or the non-virgin campers, I guess is a better term, (laughs) is surprisingly (laughs) practical, like you said, and really kind of no nonsense, you know, no supernatural about it. You know, it's essentially how anybody could kill anybody. Um, And that was kind of fun. I agree. I, I will say, like, I felt it was, like, really shitty how they killed Vincent the occult guy. Because I'm like, no, he's, like, the first character with, like, any real motivation in this movie. And, like, as you said, he's kind of funny the first time. And then it's like, you know, he actually has something that he's adding to this movie. And then they just, like, kill him off in the next scene uh, with him. Sorry, guys. Spoiler. Because they keep the <laughs> shitty boyfriend guy around. Who it's like, no, this character has no fucking purpose. Like, he even has a random scene where they flirt with him, where the witches flirt with him just to mess with him, which doesn't make any sense either. Um, yeah, they just kind of do, and it doesn't go anywhere. I thought they were, like, going to possess him, too. It, 
Because there's three of them. Yeah. Yeah. The movie's all over the fucking place. The other thing is, like, when the witches first start up, one, they're initiated by Kevin, you know, cutting his finger on their book in the sucking of the blood. But for some reason, he's not the one they capture first. They capture Ronnie, who wasn't tied to the book. Uh, I don't. Then he then you just have Kevin chasing all like haunted voices all over the house looking for Ronnie and he's afraid of getting in trouble like he doesn't already know Amber's secret that she's robbing them and has any reason to be mad, worried about getting her upset. And then they have the weirdest geography of this house like I I kept trying to put it together. I'm like this house doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like the Brady Bunch like, house. You know, there's, there's two an, upstairs, two downstairs, yeah. an, an attic right behind his bedroom, and, and also like a pool. A, a dog that barely gets used for anything. It's literally one scene for the dog to give up and die, and then creepy eyes in a doghouse that mean nothing. Like I just like was yeah was the dog possessed? But the witch, after possessing the dog, realized it was on a leash and is like, oh, this sucks. I guess I'll just take a nap in here. There's so many red herring things in this (laughs) movie. And like it's partially what makes it take so long to get anywhere, because when things happen, they then don't have any value for at least another like five minutes of the movie or 10 minutes of the movie at least. And you feel like maybe maybe they could have cut off an extra 10, 20 minutes of this film, but it's also only 90 minutes long. No, for sure. I think the problem is they set up a lot of stuff, but they don't understand how any of that stuff works. Or maybe there was some conflict in how they think it works. Like the night sitter, she's going to get a babysitting job and rob the place blind. And no offense, but that's a one person job. Yeah. Not a three, three people and two of them are inept and aren't really prepared to do anything. Awkward. And then you have the witches, like, oh, they're witches. They kill children. And? Because it doesn't seem like they're interested in killing any of the children. Well, no, that's not true. Not the main child. It seems like they just want to be a dick to the main child, which I thought was going to come around. Like, there'd be, like, some twist, like, oh, we're not going to kill you because of crazy B-movie twist. But... They just don't because I guess he's the main character. Yeah, honestly, it's along with being disjointed. They have the other issue of the design of this movie is so fucking weird. Like <laughs> yeah. they, the kid is supposed to like drawing his nightmares, which has some fantastic actual art of I agree. Like, these witches, uh, which they get a little bit into the costumes of the witches aren't bad. Don't get me wrong. But like his art is like better than most everything else in this movie visually, because the movie looks like it's shot like on your regular digital camera. And like, look, I'm not like a high grade, you know, film editor. I've edited some short stuff, some stuff for the site here. Like, do some color grading, something, because it looks like literally I shot this with my cell phone and did nothing to it. You know, (laughs) it feels like a YouTube video at the start when she's driving in. I'm like, this looks so just cheap and plasticky. Well, me personally, I'm a terrible viewer. If I'm bored, my mind wanders, I lose interest. And that's on me. That's on me, listeners. But while he was drawing this artwork... And the dad is all like, uh-huh, he, yeah, he draws his dreams, that's him. And the babysitter's kind of looking through it. 
my mind right away went to, I bet his therapist is stealing and selling these because they're magnificent. <laughs> I want to see that movie where he's like, draw more of your dreams. It's, it's therapeutic. And see this guy in the art scene selling this poor traumatized kid's art on the side. That sounds like a pretty fun movie. Yeah, it, honestly, th I wanted to say worse about this movie, and it's mostly just that it takes too long to get to its point, because when it does, I mean, it's perfectly fine schlocky horror when it gets to the actual action, but it takes, like, you know, even when Ronnie gets killed, you're just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing's happening yet. It literally takes until, like, the next scene... At like no, two scenes later, because the kid then has to run across the street after he realizes the possession. Yeah. And then it's like they get back over and things actually kick off, you know, like things get violent and interesting. And that shouldn't be the only point of your movie. Like B movies can have fun, campy plots that lead up to the violence and the brutality. This one just kind of seemed like it took the mediocrest of all of those ideas, including the Christmas movie thing, which we haven't even touched on. There's literally just like tinsel and, you know, those railing lights that are around like fake pine up and down the stairs for no reason. And just bad ambient lighting that they put in of red and green that maybe are Christmas related or they're maybe supposed to be ooh spooky witches in this room. There's. There's just no continuity to it. It looks like, again, they're ripping off every 80s movie without realizing why 80s movies did some of these things. No, I agree. My guess is the set was already built, you know. It was already filled for a movie that was ready to be um, shot, probably some Christmas movie. And there was a mix-up with the notes, you know, a mix-up with the PR so they just shared it. They were like, well, can we put in a fog machine and maybe some creepy lighting and just film our scary movie here anyways? And they thought, okay, you, you pat my back, I'll pat yours. Let's just film both our movies and be done with it. That's my guess. Again, I kept losing interest. Um, <laughs> Same. So uh, going into final thoughts, I'll say it's really not as bad as I'm making it out to be. I didn't hate that I watched it, but I don't really remember much about it either. Um, I can understand that Amber and the child were supposed to have a huge bond at the end, but I don't know why, and I don't recall if that was ever even set up. I know she told them a little story about Robin Hood, which I think a lot of scripts tend to lean towards all children are idiots, and that's a pet <laughs> peeve of mine as well. I did like the violence. I thought the witchery being really stabby 80s gory was a lot of fun it wasn't too extreme like you said it was referencing or trying to be evil dead earlier it was with the some of the witch performance but the gore didn't match up to that which can be a good thing for some viewers so i'm just gonna end my rant there and say three christmas trees during the last 10 days of Halloween already set up. <laughs> That's pretty fair. Uh, I'm going to say we kind of cover a lot of it. Like the evil dead cribbing is pretty obvious. There's that they try to do the evil dead shot up a staircase at one point, yeah. but overly slow where it doesn't have the same effect. <laughs> no. And just uh, as in the neon light, thing really bugged the shit. I mean, I messaged Bradley about this last night when after I was watching it, cause I'm like, yeah, this, 
you know, bright neon, like, oh, neon for monster room kind of thing kind of works, but it also just, it, it worked in the 80s because they didn't have a budget to do any type of CGI because CGI was basically brand new if it existed at all. You know, I think of like, I, I love uh, Big Trouble in Little China and like all the like the mystic, you know, temple is like all neon. And it's like, yeah, because that was perfectly good for a campy B movie and that's what they could afford. This movie, like, come on, you're using a green floodlight on like three different rooms. And you said like, maybe it's because of the Christmassy thing, which maybe, but it's just so much random floodlights. Like on the outside of the house, it kind of makes sense, but we're not like closets. And then he goes like to the attic room and then there's green floodlights there. And it's just, <laughs> they're everywhere, man. Like it, it's, and it's never fully like proven that that's what they're trying to indicate with that. And if it's just for like the viewer or if it's for, you know, the characters too, if they see it, like it's, it's so all over the place with stuff like that. Just tonally. I, I tried to keep my interest with this one as well. It's just, it's just a scattershot of ideas and a love of 80s movies. Uh, and, I, and I also would be remiss to get through this review without mentioning something that I caught that Bradley didn't. That this movie is evidently written by a group called Roller Disco Massacre, which it, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I Google searched them. They evidently have like four other movies that look about as mediocre as this. Uh, I feel like I'm just kind of droning on like this movie does. So I'm going to just end it here. I'm going to give it. Uh, three and a half out of ten dogs that chase your pizza. <laughs> just, I wish there was more I could say about this movie. I, <laughs> there's just not enough meat there, is there? No, and it is a shame because there are good Christmas horror movies. I like Krampus, not that one, the one with Adam <laughs> Scott and Colette. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say that the Krampus Returns or the hell you watched <laughs> yeah, Krampus Origins. Uh, Close it up. <laughs> terrible, terrible. The night of the Krampus. Yeah. Krampus.